A group of school children, 11 and 12 year olds, they're walking two by two through a city shopping centre. In the Oilac. Dublin Oilac. They've just left the library that's in the middle of the shopping centre. You just witnessed history. You just witnessed history? Yeah, right. that book. That book's going to be sold out. You think so? Yeah, it's sold out. He's going to get about a million. They've just seen a real live author. We were listening about Brian Gallagher's new book called Taken Sides. Brian Gallagher is a famous... Um, Oh, well, not really that famous, but I used to start reading the book to us. It was excellent. Who's your favourite author? Um, I don't know. Good morning. Good morning. You're, you're very welcome here to the Central Library in the ILAC Centre. And this morning, as part of Children's Book Festival, I'm delighted to introduce the author, Brian Gallagher, Who's going to read? Brian writes, among other things, history books for school children. Today's book, his new one, is called Taking Sides. He'd be dead before he got a few yards, Peter reckoned, and innocent civilians could get shot too. It's set during the War of Independence and tells the story of two children and their experiences of the time. At the same time, the man turned towards Peter, staring him straight in the eye. It was an aggressive, threatening look, and Peter swallowed hard. In one scene, Peter is about to pass through a checkpoint operated by Black and Tans. A man comes up behind him and slips a heavy package into a sports bag. The man spoke again. Don't make a fuss, son. Don't even think about it, right? Peter felt mesmerised by the man's frightening stare and somehow he couldn't make himself look away. Right, repeated the man. Uh, Yes, you'll sail through. They won't bother a young lad. Peter can either report the man to soldiers on the checkpoint or brazen it out. When a nearby voice said, Victory or defeat? The voice was cultured and the accent English and Peter realised that he'd been addressed by the British officer in command. Peter turned to face his questioner. The Englishman was younger than Peter had first thought, and the officer had... I would have told him I wasn't going to take his gun and told the Black and Tantons or something like that. Would you? Yeah. Wow. Would you have told the Black and Tantons if, if your man put the gun in your bag? Yeah. Because like, they're going to get in trouble. Like, you'll probably be like, arrested for your, your whole life. Because like, you don't want your life to be ruined. What would you have done if you were in the line and the guy came up behind you? I'd be afraid. I don't know what I'd do. Um, girl in the middle there. After each reading, questions. See the way you read about a few books of wars. Like, were you ever, did you ever see a normal war and just went home and read about it? I did once. Uh, when I was younger, I, I worked on a kibbutz in Israel. And when I was out there, I was on a, I was on a border kibbutz. And I didn't, wasn't expecting this, but a war actually broke out when we were there. And we were shelled and rockets were fired. Now, we weren't in huge danger compared to other people. But I saw a little bit of it and I got a little bit of a taste of how scary it is. Uh, the girl in the front. Like richer than like other people, like like with books, like. It, it varies. I mean, I'm not as successful as people like Maeve Binchy who sell like millions of books, and I'm probably more successful than people whose books have just flopped. So I'm, I suppose, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'd like, to, like all writers, I'd like my books to sell even more, and I'd like them to sell all around the world, like famous writers like John Grisham in fifty languages. So I'm working on it. Do you find writing books can get stressful? Uh, yes, writing books can get stressful because there are days when you're not feeling as inspired as others. And I'm kind of puritanical. If I do a day where I don't get my quota done, I feel really bad. 
So that's a stressful day because you're still trying to get something down on paper. Now, I know from experience that the trick is get something down because you can always go back later and polish it and clean it up. But a day where you get nothing done, that's a stressful day. And I very rarely allow myself a day like that. Carol at the back there in the middle there, yeah? See the book, what you're writing now, is was there really kidnappers in that? Well, that, I made that up. I mean, in, in a book like this, what, what you have to do is you have to take the history and you have to tell the history as it really was. You can't change the history. What you can do is you can, you can make up the bits about your fictional characters. So that kidnap didn't actually happen. I made that up. But all the events around it, about like the, the forecourts being blown up and all, all that stuff is actually real. So I mixed the fiction and the, the fact. Bye over there. How much money would you get if you published that book? Uh, it doesn't work. you got to... <laughs> yeah, no messing here. Uh, it depends on how, me- how well the book sells. That's the answer. Because you get a percentage. For every book that's sold, you get a percentage. So say, it's, say it was 10%. So if that book is seven ninety nine, say say €8, Euro, so then you'd get $0.80 cent for every copy of the book sold. So if the book sells 5,000 copies, you get X amount. If the book sells 20,000 copies, you get four times that. So it really depends on how well your book sells. And then if it's sold in France or Germany or somewhere like that, then you'd get more money for that as well. So that's, that's really how people make a few bob, because the Irish market, as you can imagine, is quite small. In the second scene from Brian's War of Independence book, Peter is in the garden at the back of a house that's being raided by British soldiers. He heard the door of the cottage being kicked open, just as he stepped out the back of the barn into the fog and shrouded night. He was now on the side of the barn, furthest from the cottage's front entrance, but he was still only a short distance away from the shouting soldiers. When they come out into the back garden, he has several options. He can climb a tree, make a run for it, or step back into the shadows and stay as still as possible, hoping they won't come near him. Running to the farmyard might well alert the soldiers, some of whom he'd heard fanning out around the cottage. Suddenly, two soldiers burst out the rear door of the barn, one of them carrying a lantern. I would run. You'd run, would you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> would you have run first or would you have hidden? No, I would have bring him out into, up into a tree, out into his back. There's a lot of trees and stuff, and he hid in the tree. And then the tree that he picked the apple, he couldn't see them, and he didn't know if they were picking that tree or the other one. So you would have climbed up a tree? Yeah. What would you have done? Yeah. I would die. Um, take a boy over here, yeah. Uh, why did you choose the place where Peter lived? Um, I chose because I knew the botanical gardens from when I was a kid, and I wanted him to live in a big house, but I wanted him to be able to have a hiding place for the weapons that his family wouldn't know about. So I thought if his family lived in a house that backed onto the botanical gardens, that's a huge place, and there'd be all sorts of nooks and crannies where he could hide stuff. So that's why I picked there. What gave you the idea of naming Peter, giving Peter his name? Well, what I do, that's a good question because I think it's really, really important to get the names right. So when I'm deciding on my characters, I, I, I go through phone books and I go through books of, you know, if you're having a baby, you have books, christening books, so you pick through all the names. And I pick names that feel right for the characters. Also, it's very important that you don't confuse the readers. I was reading a book there that was really popular called The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, it was so confusing because they all had um, Scandinavian names that sounded familiar. So I, I put a lot of effort into making sure, like, if my principal character has a name beginning with a D, we don't have anyone else whose surname begins with a D. So you don't confuse the reader. Also, it's very important to get names that are right for the period. So this is set in 1922. So you can't have people called Jordan or Crystal or Wayne or names that are popular now. 
it's old fashioned names like Nelly and Eileen and you know names that were popular that you don't hear as much now. So I was thinking back to my aunts, like I had an aunt called Eileen. So you know you used those old names that would have been right for the time. How hard was it to try to grab the people's emotions that you're reading as it? Well, that's the hardest thing of all because you, you want to you want to get their attention first of all that they'll find that exciting, but you also want their, them to be emotionally involved with the characters so that there's something at stake. There's no use having a character kidnapped if you don't really care about the character. So you've got to make the you've got to make the readers really like the characters. So you've got to make them characters that you care about, so that then when they're in danger or something bad happens to them there's something at stake so that's the hardest thing probably in the book is to, is to, is to get that emotional involvement right yeah do you know the black and tans in your book yeah um, were they the prisoners no the black and tans were at the time of the war of independence the, the IRA were fighting about the British army and the British army were really stretched so they brought these guys in from England called black and tans and they were, they were mercenaries. They were, they were guys who were, who were hired to come to Ireland and fight against the, the Republicans. And they got a very bad reputation because they kind of took the law into their own hands and they shot people and they used to get drunk and stuff like that. So they were really, people were really scared of them. So why wouldn't they, like, fire them for killing the people for no reason? Why were they not punished? Because there was chaos going on at the time and the British Army were, generally were better behaved but these guys were a bit of a law unto themselves. And people said, yes, they should have been punished for what they did, but they got away with it in a lot of cases because there was chaos. The country was in turmoil, really. How much about would you make off a book? Uh, always the commercial consideration. If you're, if you're Maeve Binchy, like a million euro, if you're an unknown author, it might be just a few thousand. It really depends on how many copies you sell. And what happens is you get a royalty, so it could be like 7.5%, 10%, 15%, depending on how good a deal you have. So if, the book, if a book costs, like that book is, 10, is 8 euros, 7.99, so if I was getting 10% of that, I'd be getting 80 cent for every copy of the book that's sold. So you'd want to sell a lot of copies to, if you were going to make a, a million euro. And in a small country like Ireland, obviously you wouldn't. So you're hoping that they'll sell the book in other countries. So that's where people make money. Like I was talking to Marita Conlon McKenna. Do you know, have you ever read any of her books? She wrote Under the Hawthorn Tree. And I was talking to her a couple of weeks ago. You're doing it, are you? Yeah. Ah, it's a good book, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, she wrote that book. That's the biggest selling book in the history of Irish literature. That sold, would you believe, a quarter of a million copies. Yeah, a quarter of a million copies. It's the biggest selling book ever published for, in Irish uh, children's fiction. Anyone who we haven't... Uh, How many kids do you have? I have two kids. Do they ever complain about you writing too much? Uh, no, um, they, they don't really. In fairness, um, I suppose when, I was, when they were smaller, like they'd want you to be out playing football on the green with them and stuff like that. So sometimes you might have to just leave the writing and, and go out and play with them. But then they got to the stage where it was great to have someone to read the books, so I give it to them and say, read that now and tell me what you think about it. So uh, it works both ways, yeah. I think we'll, we'll leave it at that, folks. Listen, thank you very much for your attention. <laughs> you were a great audience. And thank you. Brian Gallagher, writer, and children from the Model School and O'Connell Schools at the library in the ILEC Centre, Dublin. Hello, Brian. Thanks okay, for having Okay, lads, have we anything to say to Brian? Hi, hi, hi.